to conclude the message in the family, and uh, this one I'm titling Raising Godly Children. Raising Godly Children. And because this is Mother's Day, we honor our mothers. And Father, I just want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you because he's here with us. And he's at work with us. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are the Lord of the harvest. And we make way for your ministry right now in the name of Jesus. And ask that you anoint our hearts and our minds to receive your word. And energize us by your power to do the will of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live a long life on the earth. We live long on the earth. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And what that's saying is it is, a, is the right thing to do for a child to obey their parents in the Lord. In other words, if your parents ask you to do something that you know and they know is contrary to God's word, you don't have to listen. You obey your parents in the Lord. Some parents will say, well, we don't want you going to that church, but you know that that's where you're getting fed and you're growing in God. Uh, they're not right. They can't tell you not to go to church. It's something spiritual. In the natural, they can tell you something, but when it comes to something spiritual, it's between you and God. God doesn't have no grandchildren. Everyone is his child. So you listen to God and do what God says. There is a place to listen to your parents in this regard so that through your obedience, they may listen to the word of God and come to him. Notice what the scripture says, honor your father and mother. Obedience is honoring your father and mother and it says that this is the first commandment with promise. The very first commandment with promise. In, Je in Exodus chapter, chapter 20, the Bible tells us the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. No other gods before me. That has to do with God himself. Even with that very commandment, there was no promise. The second commandment, God says don't have any graven image of any kind of gods, or bow down to them. But that commandment, even though it had to do with God, came without a promise from God to bless you for doing that. There was no promise. It was just a commandment. This is what God wants you to do. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That has to do with God. And even, so that, even though that commandment was so great, it didn't come with a promise. That had to do with your relationship with God. And then it says, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. 
That has to do with God. But that commandment didn't come with any promise. The fifth commandment that has to do, and notice the very first commandment that has to do with man has to do with the relationship between father, mother, and their children. And that very commandment came with a promise. He says it's the first commandment with a promise. That means this commandment must be very important when it comes to living here on the earth. Very, very important. The very first commandment with any promise of goodness from God is this commandment to honor your father and your mother. And it tells you why. It's not because of God, not for your mother and your father. The reason it tells you why God wants you to do this, he says that it may be well with you. In other words, so you can prosper on the earth. So that everything you touch will work for you on the earth. It wasn't for God that God gave the commandment. He gave that commandment to you and he says you want to live well on the earth, Honor your father. Honor your mother. Listen to them. Don't argue with them. Don't fight with them. Don't think you know better than them. <laughs> Honor them. Obey them. And he says, if you do that, you will be successful on the earth. God promised, I'll take care of you if you do this for me. Honor your father and your mother. I'll bless you. And then he said, so that your days may be long on the earth. So that you may live long. That's the promise. M many times people think God has a particular day. He's, he's written it down on this very day. Whether you wake up healthy or not, you're going to die. No, God doesn't have that. You decide how long you want to live. In those days, I used to tell the kids that they bring to me for ministry and says, uh, he, he won't listen to me. I asked the kid, you want to die, boy? You want to die? <laughs> no. Well, God says, listen to your parents, okay? They don't want to die, but you don't want to listen to your parents. You want to live long? Listen to your parents. You know, God doesn't play with his words. He doesn't play. When God says something, he's not doing it for himself. It's for your own good. And you better listen. If you listen, and, and you know, you, it's like Jesus said, a man going into the field and he's looking for something precious. He finds one. He sells everything he has to buy that field so that he can get it. When God gives you an insight like this, and you, as a kid, you say, I'm going to take that. Believe me, you've set yourself for success. If you're going to do that. God will really keep his word once you decide to do that. That's the first commandment with promise. A lot of kids don't want to listen to their parents. They want to do what they think, they should, they, you know, we're right, we're young, we know what's happening, you're old-fashioned, and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> By the time you find out that they are not old-fashioned, God forbid you be in a casket. You listen to your parents. It's very important. God's not suggesting it to you. He's telling you this is what you want to do. If you want to be successful. He said that you may live well. It may be well with you. So that you can prosper in life. 
and then you live long. Now, when God says live long, that's, God's not saying you live long, you're sickly. He's going to take care of you so that you're living well, you're not sickly, you're strong and enjoying life. That's what it is. Now, what does this mean, honor your father and your mother? It says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22, it says, listen to your father who begot you. And do not despise your mother when she is old. And then think about it. What has this got to do with honor? Would you despise your mother when she's old? So what's God talking about here? This is really important. He says, listen to your father who begot you. In other words, listen to, when you, listen to your father when he talks to you. So what does that say? The father must be the primary disciplinarian in the home. Not the mother. Hello. <laughs> Don't try to get the, your, your children to favor you and let the mother do the discipline because you want them <laughs> to like you. That suggests something is already wrong. It says, listen to your father who begot you. God's telling you, you need to listen to him. And do not despise your mother when she's old. So what's God talking about? Will anyone truly despise the mother when the mother is old? What does God mean here by despise? Is God just talking about the mother here? I believe he's saying don't despise your parents when they're old. Because Jesus brought it back up again. Amen? This, what I'm about to share with you is so crucial. I believe that it's a revelation that God gave me. Just opened my eyes. And I want to share it with you. You may decide today, and, and God's proven it, God's proven it that this is the truth. And you can decide, I'm going to do this today, and watch what God's going to do for you. Possibly the, things, the problems that you've been having that's hindering you is because of this. And I want to share with you. In Matthew chapter 15, beginning from verse 5 and 6, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. It says, but you say, you Pharisees say, whoever says to his father or mother, that's what they're saying to their father or mother now, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father and mother. Thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So they had a tradition in their time. And so the kid, the child doesn't want to help the mother that's old now. And the father that's old now won't even give them anything. And, and instead of giving, they're selfish. They want to keep the money to themselves. Notice what it says. I need to, you need to read that. Whatever profit you might have received from me it is a gift to God. In other words, God set it up. So that when you, when your parents get old, they should profit from you. Hello? They should profit from you. They took care of you when you were young. Right? They worked and brought the money in and sacrificed to take care of you. When you were sick, they, stayed, they gave everything to make sure you were okay. They'll sell their property to make sure you're okay. Now they're old and they're in need because they can't work and you, you act like they're not there. 
Jesus said, they were saying to the Jews, as a tradition, you don't have to give to them. All you have to say is this gift, what I should give to my parents, I'm going to give it to the Lord. God doesn't want that gift. Give it to your parents. And if you don't give that to your parents, you're going to pay the price. God said you are not honoring your parents according to the word of God. And if you don't honor your parents according to the word of God, it will not be well with you. We had this message the last time I preached. We had it on television. I think a 50-something-year-old man heard the message, repented, went back because he was really broke. Everything was going bad for him. Then he realized this was my problem. This, my problem. He took, he had only 50 naira, we'll call it in Nigeria, and took back to his mother and mother and father, knelt down and asked them for forgiveness. And after they prayed for him, all he had was this, Maybe five cents or so. Help me here, brother. Fifty naira, five cents or whatever it is. He gave to his parents. That was all he had. After that, he got contracts. And told Pastor Paul, everything has changed in my life since that day. My life has been transformed. This is the truth here. Take care of your parents. I don't care what the other kids are doing. You need to take care of your parents. You play your part. God's put it in his word. You have to obey the Lord. They took care of you while you were growing up. God did it this way. When, when, when you were helpless, your parents take care of you. When they get to the place where they are almost helpless, it's your turn to take care of them. That's the way God designed it so that everybody is blessed and everybody is happy on the earth. You break that rule and you pay a price on the earth. It's not like God would judge you. It's just things will not work out for you. And it's just because of that. God loves children. Amen. He gave his son to have children. He had one. He wanted more. He wanted multitudes of children. God loves children. Today we're talking about raising godly children. And here's a scripture here in Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. And talking about the marriage. And that's where we're going to start from raising children right here. It says, but did he not make them one? Having a remnant of the spirit. Notice spirit is capitalized. Husband and wife, one. Husband and wife, one, having a remnant of the spirit. The oneness of a husband and a wife in the home brings in the remnant of God's spirit. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit who gives life. So God wants a husband and wife to be what? One in every way. It is what signifies the remnant of God's spirit in that home. Amen. Please read with understanding. What has a husband and wife being one got to do with the spirit of God? 
Well, that's what God said, right? And we have to believe it. When there is no unity in the home between a husband and a wife, guess who you've set aside in the home? The remnant of the spirit. And there's not going to be prosperity in that place. Look at what it says. And why one? Why does God want a husband and a wife to be one? Why one? He seeks godly offspring. That means it's really hard to raise godly offspring when daddy and mommy constantly fighting over whatever and they're not one. Not one in every way. You do all you can. But see, God's heart's desire for your family is godly offsprings. Now you're thinking godly offspring, what's that going to do for me? Believe me, your children will prosper like you wouldn't believe. Everything they touch, God will bless. You see, God doesn't just speak just for speaking. He wants to bless us. But we have to position ourselves so that God can bless us. You do, and, and, and again, when he tells you something, he knows you don't have the power to do it. And all he's asking from you is just be willing, and he will empower you. Because you got his righteousness. You argue with the world, it's like arguing with God, and he leaves you alone. And there's no power. But if you hear the word, and you tell yourself, I'm going to do that. God, empower me to do that. He comes in with his spirit. And empowers you for success in life. Amen? That's the way it should be. Why one? God seeks godly seeds. He wants to show to the earth. You remember God said, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Your children will be that. He is seeking godly seed. He says, therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal, just the word none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Don't deal treacherously, deceitfully with your partner. Amen. He says you must wash to your spirit because it's going to come out of your spirit. Don't deal treacherously. In other words, when you decide we are going to be one as a family and we are going to make it not just two of you, husband and wife, the children also, God will put his seal upon their lives and they'll never fail. In spiritual things, they'll never fail. In material things, they'll never fail. In their health, they will be healthy because God will keep them. He will put a shield around them and God says, those are mine. They are godly seeds and you can't touch them. No devil can put his finger on any of them to oppress them. Never. But we have to obey what God says. And right after this, you can read that scripture. God says, I hate divorce. Why? Why does God, because God just don't like this. No, it's what it does to your family. Because God wants to bless the family. God's not going to destroy you because you're divorced. But what it does to you, the one that he loves so much, that's why he hates it. And he wants that unity in the family so that he can bless you, bless your children, bless your marriage, and bless your children, and make sure that they prosper on the earth. And they have the spirit of God upon them everywhere they go. That's the remnant of the spirit. Everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. 
God wants you to raise godly seed. And you know, God doesn't leave that responsibility to you alone. <laughs> I've found a place where I can rest. Because the Bible says that there remains a rest. And God is inviting people to enter into his rest. And I found this secret that God doesn't expect you to raise your children by yourself. He wants to be involved. And he will teach your children. Amen. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13 and 14. He says, all your children, how many of your children? All of them. Can somebody really believe this? All your children shall be taught by the Lord himself. God says, I'll teach your children. I'm going to teach them math. Amen. <laughs> you can't have a dumb child and God, that God's lecturing. Amen. I mean, think about it. Many times we become Christians, but we don't believe what the scripture says. We really need to accept what he says. Because God created them, he created you. And if you believe him, this is what I do. Try to, you know, help my mind. Lazarus was already decaying in the tomb, right? His brain already fluid, running fluid, right? And God brought him back to life. God can teach your children and give them, I mean, such a brain that will make you wonder. I believe God can do this. If there is a God, and I believe there is a God, he'll teach your children, every one of them. He says, all of your children shall be taught by the Lord himself. Spiritual things, he'll teach them. Things to succeed in life, he'll teach them. He will be with them everywhere they go. But you, you need to turn your whole life and your family to God and say, God, we surrender. We don't know what to do with these kids and our lives. We're throwing everything at you. And if you do that, he'll welcome you gladly and say, now let's go. Let him be the driver and you be the passenger. Amen. And you get everywhere. You let him be the pilot. You just sit back. He says, all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. You know what that word peace means? That's shalom. Shalom means they will everything that's good. Well-being in every mentally, physically, material, every way. That's shalom. Peace. He didn't say they will just have peace. He said great. Great shall be the peace of your children. When God is teaching your children, your children will have great peace. They'll have great peace. We read scriptures, we don't want to believe, but I want to believe these things. Because I can't do it. The world has been here before I got here. Amen. I really don't know everything about the world, but he knows, and he knows the, the end from the beginning. And I can trust him. Just put it in his hand. Teach my kids for me, God, even in their sleep. Did you know that God can teach them even while they're sleeping? Can you do that? Absolutely not. They're sleeping. But God can teach them. I really believe these things. And I believe that for our church. God's going to teach your children. Can I hear an amen? God's going to raise your children in Jesus' name. God's going to make them great and give them great peace in the name of Jesus. God's going to do that. We have to believe. If two shall agree concerning anything, is that not what the scripture says? 
now you agree with me? God's going to teach our kids. Can I hear an amen? God's going to teach our kids. And they will, be, do, they will do well and have great peace according to the word of God. He says in righteousness you will be established. How many wants to be established? God says he will establish you and establish your children. And God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. If God says it, he'll do it. If God has spoken, he will make his word good. That's what God says. My word will never return to me void. He says when I speak it, he'll do exactly what I ask it to do. And God will take care of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. He will establish you. And he says you shall be far from oppression. Want is an oppression. Amen. Want is an oppression. When I've got to pay bills and I can't pay, that's a lot of oppression. You can't go to sleep when you know you got to pay the, the public take your house from you or your car. That's an oppression. God said, if you let me do it and establish you in righteousness, you will be far from oppression. You don't have to depend on anybody. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. He says you will not fear from terror for he shall not come near you. So how do we oh my time. Oh Lord have mercy. Can I borrow five minutes? (laughs) Huh? Oh right on, right on. I like that brother. (laughs) Oh, Oh Lord. How do we raise children? We just throw everything at God. There's, there's a, there are things that you need to do. I'm going to show you from God's word some things that are so important. Because the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And he will not turn away from it. He will always return back to it. We need to understand that. There's a story about Sam, Samuel. I got an insight about Samuel today as I studied from the scriptures. Where God can take a child and really walk with him. Now, First Samuel chapter, chapter 1, verse 22. He says, this is the words of Anna. And Hannah spoke, the mother of Samuel. He says, Anna, but Hannah did not go up. That they were going back after Samuel had been born. They were going back to the place of worship. And they didn't go. They stayed back home. He says, but Hannah did not go up. For she said to her, to her husband, not until the child is weaned. I want him to be aware of what's going on. He says, then I will, say the word with me, I will take him. Remember, take him. We're talking about raising godly kids, right? I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. It depends on you, parent. There was a desire. I'm not going now. When I go, I'm going to make sure that kid's always before God. You see, it's many times, as a parent, you may not feel like going to church. That's good because you're tired. It's not about you. You got kids. They're not tired. They don't understand you're tired. They're getting the message. They need to be in the presence of God. You make that sacrifice, it sinks in them. 
But nobody appears before God and lives empty-handed. It's just not going to happen. When you present them before God, God will begin to teach them. Didn't God say, all your children shall be taught by him? You think he'll be teaching them when they are in McDonald's? That's the place for teaching from God? Well, he can. He's God, right? But I think it's better when they appear before him. You know what the Bible says about Samuel? Chapter 3, verse 19. It said, and the boy Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did not allow any word that he spoke to fall to the ground. Not a word that Samuel spoke. Why? The mother allowed him to be in the presence of the Lord forever. And God made him a great prophet in the whole land. Because he was taught by God. Not too long after that, as he was in the presence of the Lord, according to the mother, the mother's desire, God came at night and said, Samuel, Samuel. And the guys, the little fellow thought, oh, my master is calling me. And he ran to his master and said, no, I didn't. And God came again. He says, because God had not revealed himself by his word. God revealed himself. A little boy became a great prophet in the land. In those days, in the days of Samuel, when people saw Samuel coming in, everybody's frightened. Because if he speaks a word, if he points to you and says, prepare your bed, you're going to die tomorrow. You better go home, it's over. Because God is not going to allow. Now, he's going to say you're going to live, amen? We're not dying, amen. We'll talk about question of discipline. There are three reasons why you must discipline your kids. God has this part, but there are words of wisdom from God. And I'm going to give three scriptures quickly, three reasons why you should discipline your kids. You know, I heard about, um, there was this uh, story about this young footballers that raped a girl, remember that? And they were sentencing these footballers, and one of the parents said, you know, we shouldn't be friends to our children. Your child is not your friend until they, are, they have become adults. Don't try to be your, friend, your child's friend. They, you confuse them. You're supposed to be their parent, not their friend. Many people try to be their child's friend, and they let the children get away with everything. Oh, that's, my, that's not your friend. You have to... T- Deal with them. Proverbs 22, verse 15, it says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. This is God saying this. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from it. Foolishness, that's the disease. The rod of correction, that's the medicine. Amen. God said when they are born, they, their heart, fully, you know, God knows everyone. There is foolishness around, bound up in your heart. That's the sickness. You have the medicine. Apply it. Give it. Amen. I know the young ones don't like it, but it's true medicine. Amen. 
the second thing is in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Love. It says, he who spares his rod hates his son. You may say, no, I really love him. No, you're lying. God cannot lie. He who spares his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly, immediately. If you're not disciplining your child, you are demonstrating before God that you hate that child. Because you want that foolishness to stay in their heart and they stay there. My mother disciplined me. I think I turned out okay. <laughs> you got to discipline them according to the word. There's a story I heard about these young Christian girls. And guys, they, 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 they heard this scripture and they believed it. And they were talking among themselves in, in school, probably uh, high school or junior high, about how their parents disciplined them. And this kid, rich kid, he's like, huh, your parents slap you? And do, oh, you know, what did, what spank, that's the word. Spank you and all this. My parents never do that. My parents don't do anything like that. And the other kids say, your parents never spank you? No. Why should they spank me? Well, then the other ones say, well, our parents spank us because they love us. And the kids said, what? Yeah, they spank us because they love us. They explained to the, this kid why it was right uh, for, for them to be spanked by their parents. It's true love. They're trying to help us. And the kid thought about it. He said, my parents said, never spank me. Never. So maybe they don't like me. <laughs> so he went back home to prove whether his parents really love him. So he started destroying stuff. And the parents would come and say, are you okay? Are you okay? What's happening to you? And they rub his back and he gets so angry. He said, I know now that they don't love me. They have not spanked me. So he goes and he throws down the television. And, and, and they say, oh, son, are you okay? What's happening to you today? Oh, he was sure. And then he started crying and beating everything. They said, you guys don't love me. You don't love me. And he said, why? What are you saying? You, don't, you, you haven't ever spanked me. And they said, where did you get that from? That was a good lesson for them. <laughs> you got to spank them. Amen? You love them. The third one is, <laughs> my son uh, told you is he here please he, one day he was in the car and I was driving and um, he wanted his uh, babysitter and um, I was in the van he was way back there and he was crying so loud and I got KSBJ I needed to drown him out so I turned the volume up on real loud. And he decided, is that what you want, Dad? I can beat that, Toju said. <laughs> Not literally. And he raised the decibel for his crying. Past that, I turned it up. He turned it up. I turned it up. He turned it up. I, and I figured, boy, I wish I could stop this car and really let this kid have it. <laughs> But I couldn't stop. So I said, okay, you really want to cry, son? You really want to cry? 
So I endured all of that pain and the stomping and ah, all of that in the car till we got home. I said, son, you really want to cry? I was in upset. I said, I'm going to help you cry. I'm going to really help you cry. So I shut him up in the room. Uh, he was still stomping and all of that and crying, and I walked away from him. And then when the, he died down, I'll go back to the room, open it up, and give him a little bit. And then he go, wow! I said, boy, I love it. You can cry now. And as he's crying and stomping, I walk away, lock the door while he's crying. Every time he goes back down without crying, I go right back. You said you want to cry. You're going to cry. So I made him cry. He cried and cried. And then I went back to my living room, and it was quiet for a while. And before long, I, saw, I, heard, I felt a, a little hand, you know, touching me from behind. And he said, Daddy, Daddy, I, uh, I've decided I don't want to cry anymore. <laughs> I said, good son, I welcome this new revelation you got. <laughs> Took care of the problem. <coughs> Proverbs 23 verse 13, it says, do not withhold correction from your child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with... <laughs> Please don't tell the CPS people. <laughs> but let God be true and every man a liar. <laughs> you shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Now hell is not talking literal hell. What we're talking about here is hell on the earth. That's what we're talking about. He won't die. My mother spanked me real good. I got a teacher telling me, uh, I, let me show you how to discipline a kid when I was after Omar. And she said, put your hand out. And she did this. That's how you spank your kid. I said, is that all? I, I, you must know something that God doesn't know. Because God says to beat them. <laughs> All right. She was horrified by that. But I had pleasure. I didn't think I know anything more than God. Well, God says to beat them. And you're saying to do this. God says to beat them. Amen? Not abuse them. Amen? There's a difference. Don't abuse them, but correct them. Stand up with me this morning. It's so important for every one of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jonathan, please come up here. Bear with me, please. Bear with me. I need you up here, Jonathan. Thank you, Lord. 